Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome. Welcome to Visual Workplace Radio, where we learn about the power, principles, and practices of sharing information visually. Hello, my name is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show, where we talk about and we celebrate workplace visuality. Letting the workplace speak. Thanks. Thanks for taking time and tuning in. We're really glad you came. So in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of how visuality allows us to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work through visual devices and visual systems. This is your intelligence, my intelligence, our intelligence. The details of our current level of enterprise excellent Excellence, I beg your pardon. Even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be. And that's whether we work in a factory, healthcare, office, open pit mine, it doesn't matter. And why do we do it? We do it for the stunning bottom line results. Improvements in cost, quality, safety, productivity, on-time delivery, customer satisfaction. And we do it for the splendid cultural alignment to cultivate, to create, to enjoy a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, from the boardroom to the operations floor and back again, and all the ancillary services to the left and right and around. We enjoy ourselves at work, and that's the third reason. We want to enjoy ourselves at work. We want to flow, and we cannot flow in an information-scarce work environment. We cannot. The opposite of that flow is struggle. The opposite of that struggle is an enterprise that is becoming increasingly conscious, self-aware, and therefore fluid, flexible, and high-performing. And you know, how fun is that? My goodness. So today, welcome, Visual Workplace Radio. We are going to talk about, we're going to start a few new tracks. One of them will be the relationship between visual and lean and lean and visual, what I call the visual lean alliance, how to maximize it. And we have a number of others kind of series to share with you to kind of plump up our understanding of visuality and its importance in the workplace. And I want to encourage you, please, as you listen, to think about questions or think about your own comments about what is shared, and to send it to us. Send, send it to radio at visualworkplace.com. If it's directed to me, I'm bound to get it. I will get it, and I will respond. I promise you that. You can also reach us through our website, visualworkplace.com. There's plenty of contact points there, and there's lots of free material that you may be interested in. There's about 200 articles. They're one-page articles, so they are pretty short reading, but I think very good. And we also have podcasts on our radio page, the podcast, for example, you're listening to now. So lots of things there, we're, and we're going to continue to build our website. I have a pretty darn busy life working with companies in creating visual conversions and helping them get visual 
and also uh, walk through the doorways that we went through previous to this show for how many weeks, about 15 shows, we were walking through the doorways. And that is the work of my work, to help companies find and open those doorways and create a visually effective, high-performing work environment, enterprise. I do that a lot. The radio show is of premier importance to me, and I uh, also do a lot of writing. So my work is about this work, and man, it's been a glory. I really, I love the work that I've been given, (laughs) just to let you know. (laughs) This is my idea of great fun, especially this, the radio show, to share what I've learned uh, with you. So today we're going to talk about the Visual Lean Alliance, and I kind of want to begin that conversation with a little commentary on what people like. This has a little slant to it. It's going in a direction you'll catch on very soon. We tend, we us people, we tend to like things that match. Have you noticed We like easy fits, we like smooth connections, we like things in buckets, we like our buckets. That's true at the beach when we use buckets, small ones to carry sand so we can build our sand castles, and we like to take our buckets down to the water and carry the ocean back to fill the moat around that castle. We like our buckets. We like buckets. We like to do that in our thinking as well, buckets of thought. We like to get our thoughts to match, to go together. If this thought or that thought doesn't match, if it doesn't fit, then we just discard it. Out of the bucket it goes. We like to keep things smooth, to make the fit, or to get rid of it if it doesn't fit. These principles go together, these beliefs, these values, very, very smooth. Vanilla goes with vanilla. It also goes nicely with strawberry, I would say. There's strength in that, isn't there? There's strength in making the match until there isn't. There's strength in making the match if it is thoughtful and careful and not automatic. In the world of business, in the world of industry, there's another name that is often used for these buckets of thoughts, these buckets of beliefs, and that word is mindset. We have mindsets. We have an improvement mindset. We have a growth mindset. We have a mindset of innovation. We have a lean mindset. We have a visual mindset. Because we like buckets, however, we sometimes miss the way that things in the buckets almost match, but not quite. Maybe match is the wrong word. Maybe we aren't looking so much for a match as much as an alignment or how things in the bucket strengthen each other, how they share a certain quality, even if the words that describe that quality are vastly different, bucket to bucket. Continuous improvement, for example, a very big bucket, lots of things fit inside. What I mentioned before, all those other words about improvement, growth, innovation, Lean visual, they're in the improvement bucket. We put all that stuff together. And when we do, rather than reject the differences, we make everything pretty much look the same. We lose those differences. 
We nest somewhat similar things together, but we get the scale wrong. And we get the distinctions, well, they kind of blur. We lose the telling difference between things. We do that with people, too, as you know. We group this person together with all the so-called other similar people. We give them a label that ties them together, friends, enemies, colleagues, families, family, New Yorkers, Californians. Labels help until they don't. Sometimes a label, a label of sameness, can prevent us from seeing the important, telling, splendid differences. Think of wine. If you're a wine lover, you want to know the differences. You glory in them. You, in fact, cultivate your taste buds to be able to distinguish them. It's not just wine. If you're a connoisseur, the more difference, the bigger The bigger the pleasure, the bigger the delight, and you need to be able to name it. The bouquet of this and the nose of that and the color of cherries and red wine, yellow wine. You know, I'm not a wine (laughs) I'm a wine drinker, but I don't know the difference. I just know if it burns, I don't drink it. And if it's smooth, I do. I drink a lot of (laughs) rosé. I'm not good with reds, and I despise most whites because they're so acidy. The difference is lost on me. I just want a bucket of smooth. (laughs) But I'm thinking of a bucket right now, a bucket whose name is Lean. And as I peer over that rim, I see many things inside. Many things are in that bucket, but on closer look, some of them don't really belong. Some mistake has been made. And things that need a different bucket, or even their own bucket, are sitting amongst the sameness called lean. Oops. The sameness called lean. That has happened a lot in the last couple of decades. If you're old enough to even count your time on this planet in decades, over the last couple of decades, The bucket called lean has gotten bigger and bigger and holds all things and has become all things to all people all the time, no matter what, and has lost its delicious and distinctive difference. Well, I don't want to kind of deal with all that's in the bucket, but I do want to start carving the differences that I see in the bucket between lean, what I may call true or original lean, can I do that? And, for example, visual. Visual is not the same as lean, nor is visual a subset of lean. It is distinctively its own and has its own bucket. So I want to talk to you about that, about visual and lean. As we look over the rim, and we spot those chunky chunks that are about workplace visuality. Hmm? Many chunky chunks are about workplace visuality. Now, I want to say that one of the problems, one of the reasons why so much of visual has ended in 
the lean bucket is because lean uses visuality extensively and, and well, but mostly uses it on the level of tools. You've heard this discussion many times before. It's become quite popular and important over the last decade to really question the effectiveness of thinking in terms of tools instead of in terms of transformation or systems or paradigms or models. So we get to know visuality as point solutions, as a certain visual device, a certain visual solution. We like the solution. We adopt it. We try to make it work in our company because it worked in another company and it fails. When it fails, we figure that visuality has failed, but just the tool has failed. And as you've heard me say many times before, visuality is the result of a system of thinking. It is not simply a device. The device comes from understanding the world of visuality. I've talked about that a lot. But let me just stay on the topic of the, the telling difference between visual and lean and why it is important to make that distinction. On the highest level, visual and lean are powerful allies. And that is because they are powerful. So when we ask the question, what is, which is more important, visual or lean? The answer is, that's a bad question. It is a false dichotomy. What is more important, visual or lean? Rather, the question is, What distinctly does each of them make? Do they share similarities, similar outcomes? Do they share similar means? So I'm going to attempt to paint that in pretty broad strokes. And I hope that I'm reasonably clear about it because I think this is an important discussion. You could say that visual and lean share a single outcome operational excellence. You could say that visual and lean share a single outcome, identifying and eliminating waste relentlessly. But that does not help us know how they're different. It is kind of broadly true, but we could say the same thing about continuous improvement. Continuous improvement is about attacking and finding and eliminating waste. But what is the difference between visual and lean? So I'm going to kind of parse that. The name of the, the, uh, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a leap here and then back up and re-explain it and kind of build the rationale after I make some declarations. When I, my favorite way of describing the difference, the telling difference between visual and lean is to invite you to imagine a bird with two wings, obviously. One wing is about lean. The other wing is visual. And let's just say that the body of the bird is the company itself. Let's say the body of the bird is your company and one bucket of help is lean, one bucket of help is visual, one wing and the other wing. What is the lean wing about? In my 
understanding and in my assessment, which has really been going on since 1984-85, when I became aware of the distinctions of what lean contributes, and it didn't, it wasn't called lean until 1997 when Jim, Jim Womack wrote his book, uh, Lean Thinking. That's when that term entered into our dictionary, our lexicon. Before then, the roots of lean had to do with time. The roots of lean had to do with a preset, pre-known engineering change that was put into place in order to shrink time, to take time out of the equation of work as much as possible. And the mechanisms, if, or if you will, the protocols of that were standard work. Standard work which carves up or segments the time into its discrete elements done in sequence repeatedly and reliably. You squeeze out the time. The governance or organizer for lean was and is time. And I made the leap from JIT, whose ancestors I knew and I knew them well, to lean as Jim called them. Because in fact, that trajectory is a trajectory that uh, Jim and Dan Jones followed and they extrapolated it into the five uh, values or the five principles of lean. But these were all extracted out of observing JIT just in time at work. And they gave it a new name, and I think it was helpful. I applaud their work. Not everything they did was as progressive, but I think that was a good step forward. And then the bucket start, started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger of all the things that lean was all the things you could imagine and those which were not yet imaginable but would be coming down the pike in a little while. We'll put them in the bucket as well. And things got very murky. And that edge disappeared. I want to suggest to you that you bring it back. That you think about lean rooted in its past as a predetermined engineering change that has significant business and financial implications about taking the time out, shrinking the time, shrinking the footprint, shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Standard work is the doorway to pull. That's another distinctive element of this wing. Pull, the focus is on pull. We shrink, we create a vacuum, the shrinkage is so much that as soon as the need triggers, touches it, it triggers the need for more. And you get this thing called pull. So that wing of the bird is about time. That's the organizer. That is also the macrometric and its corollary speed. And it's, what is the good word for this? Its atmospheric condition is pull along the critical path. You could use the word, the value stream. I like critical path. This is Bucky Fuller's 
terminology for it because for me it's much more precise and you know what I did a lot of work with <laughs> did a lot of work with Lockheed Martin they were such they were just cowboys of the mind this they the thinking was so exquisite down there in Fort Worth and they talked about the critical path they wanted the language to be distinctive so it helped them not murky so it forgave them but distinctive, so it carved out the, the precision of that paradigm. What fun. So, it's easy to say that Lean's enemy is wasted time, wasted space, but said positively, Lean's focus is the critical path, and therefore it has got to be the, the activity of value-adding. The conversion activity, time-based, time-based conversion. The job of lean is to disentangle that path so that value follows it easily. Gravity pull on its way to the customer. Lean pulls value into place. That's the dynamic of that wing And we're saying wings to make it distinctive, separate, but equal to the other wing. And the other wing is visual. And that wing, primary focus is on information. On information. And the absence of information creates its own metric. It's called motion. The macrometric of the visual wing is motion, moving without working. Struggle, looking, looking again, counting, counting again, doing again, asking questions, the effort to get the information, to get timely, complete, accurate information when and as I need it. What you get when the information is in place is different than what you get with lean. What you get from visual is flow. And you remember that Ono, Taichi Ono said, flow where you can, pull where you must. The higher formation is flow. But it is not easy to get in complex streams of value especially if the organization has not yet reached its excellent stride, where it's kind of working at its chronic, costly complexities. So in visual, the other wing, the other equal wing, we are looking at information. And we are looking at the devastation that missing information or information deficits can Uh, work upon an organization, a department, a cell, an enterprise, missing information. Visuality targets how companies share information and seeks ways to strengthen and build that information more and more deeply into the living landscape of work. I call that embeddedness. Embed the information, embed the performance. Let the workplace speak. Because information, when it has meaning, 
when used dynamically is language, your operational language. That is what the visual wing is about on this visual in this visual lean alliance. We can shorthand that and call that adherence. So visuality is about adherence, pretty much embedded adherence. No think adherence, adherence that is coterminous with the process itself. And lean is about squeezing the time. You can see how they work together. There is an important distinction. And boy, I would love for you to have the conversation about that distinction so that you can see those two wings working powerfully together to bring you to excellence. To reach your destination, to reach its destination, (laughs) that bird needs both the wings. If you ask a bird which of its wings is more important, it will simply fly off and let that be your answer. That's the Visual Lean Alliance. The destination in terms of your business is operational excellence, least cost means, and a spirited and engaged work culture on all levels. You need them all. I want to tell you a few anecdotes about companies I've worked with where this has come up. One of them was Rolls-Royce Aerospace in the UK. And they asked me to come in. It was very unusual. I had given a speech. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) That was a big plosive in your ear. (laughs) I had given a speech in Australia in 1984. And in 1999... Or was it 2002? Rolls-Royce got in touch with <laughs> with us. And, and we were talking together. And I said, Gwendolyn, we remember that talk you gave in Australia. It was Melbourne. And you said, blah, 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 blah. And we think that we need to know more about this right now. So tell me more, of course, I said. Tell me more. And they said, we've been working with a very, very expensive um, consulting firm begins with an M, (laughs) and they have been implementing lean with us for about eight or nine years. We've basically been implementing lean, and they've been watching us and learning a great deal and turning it into materials that they can use to teach others, but we've been working hard together, and they've been gone about four years, and everything is going back into the jungle. Everything is going backwards. We are losing our gains. It didn't happen in the first year. It didn't happen in the second year. We were okay as long as the consultants were there driving the metrics. But as soon as they left, this erosion happened. And it's taken us a while, but now we realize it's because we didn't put visual in place. We had a powerful application of pull, even from time to time, true tact, Different, as you know, than cycle time. Please don't use one for the other. Attack is something you earn and it costs you. And cycle time is something that just kind of happens and you can control it, but it doesn't create pull. We've achieved, we achieved these great outcomes. And then they began to disappear, to evaporate. And now we understand it's because we did not embed the the lean aspects into the visual, a visual environment. Please come and help us. And we did some work together. 
But I was struck by the fact that this group, aerospace, is just such an extraordinary uh, intellectual capability in any country it exists in. Because to get the darn machine to fly and stay up there is a feat of intelligence over matter, really thought over matter. And I was struck by that. They recognize the alliance. This alliance is important because if we do not notice the distinction between the two paradigms, we will expect outcomes from one that the other can't, that it cannot give because it's missing the other. Now, I've had the advantage of watching these two methodologies grow, grow these two constructs, pretty much from their inception in the in the West in the early 1980s. And I've also seen the morph in JIT to lean and the morph of lean to the alphabet soup that it is in some cases, in some cases today. It is not distinctive. Visual and lean are two distinct paradigms. Lean is about the pull of value. And in order to create pull, you need standard work. And yes, 5S is a subset of that. And the way that 5S is done under the aegis of lean is not visual. It just isn't. It's, it's functional, but it is not visual. Visual is about flow, about information, about embedding information and embedding performance. I'll say it this way. Visual is about behavior. We know that the destination of lean is pull. And that, in many cases, does mean one-piece flow, preferably attack. Lean is about the critical path and flow. I'm sorry, and pull. Time is a powerful player. Ono got his hit on this when he came to the United States in the early 1960s. And he studied our supermarkets. I'm sure you've heard the story. The A&P. I actually went to an A&P when I was a kid in Long Branch, New Jersey. There was an A&P. I can't believe it's gone now. The Great Atlantic and Pacific Company. Anyway, Ono went and he just watched. And he realized that supermarkets were all about timing. Getting the stuff on the shelf so that the customer, your mom, my mom, could pull it into her basket, take it home, and cook. As soon as you have time, you are right back into pull. The different lens is flow, visual, using the lens of information. The notion of information also has morphed, for me, into the notion of language and meaning. Adherence that creates flow, information at our finger, at our fingertips. The foundational outcome of visual is adherence or behavior. The foundational outcome of lean is pull. And the question isn't. I'll talk to you about which to go, which to do first in a moment. But I want to say a few more things about this behavioral behavioral side of visual, because I think this is an opportunity to make that distinction. In parallel, 
visuality addresses the prime dimensions in the enterprise in the enterprise of information specs sops order scheduling work instruction language you can easily shift that over to healthcare shift it over to offices it focuses on the translation of information into behavior the world of work shares a single basic transaction. It's used a million times a day. It is the reason that your company exists, and that is the translation of vital information into behavior. It can be the behavior of machines. It certainly is human behavior. The interface between human behavior and information is is. Deep and complete, you cannot get a behavioral change unless you share vital information because that information is power, the power that powers human behavior. Operationalizing that formula of translating vital information into behavior is not exactly simple, because workplace information can change quickly and often. Schedules, customer requirements, engineering specs, operational methods, if it's in manufacturing, tooling and fixture needs, material location, and the thousands of other details on which daily life in the enterprise depends, changes quickly. To share that information, most companies depend on on-the-job training and classroom training and binders of SOPs and reference ma- manuals and online instructions and lots of Q&A, lots of Q&A, supported by lots of supervisors and managers who have the answers to our many, many questions. But these are indirect methods and with varying levels of effectiveness. The belief is that once we get the right information, we will do the right thing the right way on time and safely. That's the belief. That is not the truth of it. That is rarely the case. The belief is we will behave and keep we will behave in keeping with that information and good things will result. Well-made products delivered on time, well-provided services presented with a smile. Companies assume that these indirect methods are capable of translating information into exact behavior. No, it's a wish, it's a belief, it's not an actuality. You begin, I begin my day determined to produce outstanding results, and then the unexpected happens. You grab the wrong material, or the wrong material is delivered and you didn't know it. You made the wrong model because you couldn't quite make out the work order. You used the wrong tool because the right one, well, I couldn't couldn't be found, so I'm jerry-rigging this one. You overheat the part because the gauge on the oven slipped, and so on, and so on, and so on. You intended to do the right thing. You believed you were doing the right thing, but the wrong thing happened. What would it be like? says visual, if the physical workplace itself could help you do the right thing, make the translation, instead of depending on books and manuals and training and Q&A, what would your workday be like if the floor itself, instead of just holding us up, actually helped us do our work, actively and precisely, if the floor spoke? This is the purpose of borders. What would it be like if the walls assisted you in that 
and the tools and the tables and the shelves and the carts and the materials and the machines and all the other physical items of your workplace? What if they too became active partners in helping you reach your daily outcomes of safety, quality, cost, delivery, day after day, week after week, year after year, so that you did the dance of work? This is a phrase from Rick L., who was a master machinist at Denison Hydraulics before it became it was acquired by Parker. He was a visual master, an ace visual thinker. I know I've spoken of him before, and I will continue. And his cell was in a union shop. He infused with information, physical, visual information. And he said, Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, I told you this story already. You know what? Second and third shift are calling mine the no-thinking cell. And everybody wants to work in my cell. And I said, Rick, aren't you kind of, I don't know, insulted about that? Does that sit well with you? He said, yeah. I think it's great. Well, what do they do when they come to your, your cell, I say, giving, feeding him the line. I didn't know it at the time. And he says, what do they do? Well, they do the dance of work. <laughs> they flow. They flow. He saw it. He created the dance floor for them. They just wanted to do their work without struggle. Go to Rick's cell. You're going to get things done. You're going to meet all of the, the marks. Today, this shift, second, third shift, this will be a victory. You're going to go home feeling like a hero. Hmm? Visual devices, the devices there became the translation point between vital information and the exact behavior that the human and the machine needed to engage in in order to produce the outcomes. Instead of the indirect methods, the physical workplace itself Influence, guided, directed, limited, and guaranteed on the pokey oak level that we would do the right thing precisely, completely, reliably, on time. Wonderful. We transform the physical work area into a gigantic, here it comes, mechanism for adherence. And the impact is equally gigantic. And it is also simple. You are simply free to do your work. You are free to pull pull. You came to work to be a hero, to command and to execute, to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. Hmm? The visual lean alliance. Visual devices are the translation point between vital information and the behavior. Hmm? You only have to think of a pre-visual workplace to know the opposite, to know why we talk and listen and ask questions and have so many meetings and get eaten up by information deficits. That workplace is hungry for information, starved in some cases. That information is somewhere or not there at all. The information is missing. That's the wing. That's the wing. Let me talk to you so that I keep things in balance about the limitations of visual. Because at some point, you start with visual, you're going to get an immense impact on your productivity, 
we always see 15%. We often see 30% increase in productivity. And if you're already lean, I'll just say this for for a moment. I don't want to get it confused because I want to start with visual and then move to lean. But if you are already lean and you bring in visuality, you'll get another 10 to 15% wherever you're at. And it may express itself in quality as compared to speed in case you haven't solved your quality issues. So the limitation of visual is at some point because visuality, and I'm going to use this word particularly, not in the common way it's used, is transactional. It is about the transactions that happen when information is shared. It's very minute therefore very personal and very difficult to govern, to control, to organize, to shape through lean. The informational transactions happen, but these are on a micro level. It will impact the entire cell. But at some point, if you do not reach out and look at the macro flow the critical path, you will not, your progress will not keep going. You will no longer, you will not be growing. You'll be stalled. You'll do the internal very, very well inside the cells, but it will not, mm, what is the word? It will not populate or multiply into a discernible business benefit. Instead, your micro victories, these information-rich information, information rich environments will be absorbed by the noise in your macro system. If you do not address the critical path, the benefits of visual will be absorbed by the noise in your macro system. You'll have cells that are meeting and exceeding by far by 10, 15, sometimes 50%, the KPI expectations in terms of productivity on time, but the macro system will not be prepared to absorb it, to utilize it. You need lean at that point. You need to look at the schedule. You need to attack those wastes that are not information-based, but that are functional-based operationally based, the machine uptime. I mean, there are there, there every, the thing about the Visual Lean Alliance is that you're always looking at the informational environment, but Lean is not equipped to improve it. It is focused on time and the critical path, on squeezing the footprint and squeezing the time frame. It does that very well. It uses that as a lever to get at the problems, the chronic complex problems that are in the macro environment. This happened in spades when I worked for about four years, longer than I expected, with Nordbaum trailers in the Netherlands, in Nijmegen. Oh, no, no, in Weeken, Weeken. They did an extraordinary job with visual. And I stood at the, on the balcony after about two years with Hank Nottebaum, the owner, and he said, Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, look at these beautiful cells. My culture has completely changed. People want to work. They want to work to a standard. They want to be productive. They want to contribute. They're no longer grumpy Dutchmen. <laughs> Harsh. 
they're sweet and lovely, but I can't find the money. Help me find the money. I said, it's time for for lean. You cannot progress any further in your business benefit unless you look at your macro environment. Shall we do that? Let's look at your macro environment. The visual lean alliance. How beautiful is that? You have to keep these distinctive because if you make it, if you make, if you, and if you put visual in the same bucket as lean, you will never get the power out of visual because it will be servient, subservient to the outcomes that lean is there to promote. And as I just illustrated, if you create a wonderfully information-rich visual environment with embedded performance, you still cannot neglect the linkages between your functions, between your department. You have to look at the macro environment in order to create that vacuum, to create the pull, to create the demand, to create time as a base for pull. You see how they go together? I think it's quite wonderful. Visual and lean is good medicine. (laughs) It's good medicine taken together, taken in an order. I shouldn't say together because, in fact, it's all but impossible. There are ways to do it, but they're very refined ways. You need to have a base first. To run visual and lean together, there are ways. We have a template for it, but a company has to advance before we can, has to get some foundation in place. But you run them separately and cleanly with precision in a kind of braid. They're parallel. They are not merged. And they're good medicine a prescription. The doctor will know what is wrong, what is the medicine, including lifestyle, to make the patient better, what is the dosage, and where to begin. Where to begin. If you have a sick company, you do ask yourself, shall we begin with visual or begin with lean? And, you know, the broad, the broad, the broad stroke is... If your culture is weak, if it is angry, if it is, and it will be weak and angry, if it is disempowered, begin with visual. Because visual will create a rich, cultivate a powerful, a self-empowered work environment. We spoke about that when we talked about eye-driven visuality. What do I need to know? And then what do I need to share? This is the medicine for an angry work culture or for a very, um, I'm trying to find a good word for this, a very disabled, if you will, work culture where people are afraid. Some people get angry when they're afraid, but there's a whole bunch of other people who just become indifferent when they're afraid. They give up trying. They give up. And visuality has so many layers of inventiveness and creativity if you allow it to be eye-driven and don't do a kind of cookie-cutter standardization just because somebody's got a good idea. 
it is a system of thinking, as I've told you again and again. It is a system of thinking, of noticing one's own motion, knowing what that is, and then attacking it, getting rid of the information deficits that cause that motion, and creating an environment that speaks. Remember, that's visual thinking. Visual thinking is a person's ability, your ability or mind, to recognize the enemy, information deficits, and the footprint of this invisible enemy, motion, moving without working, and to eliminate both through solutions that are visual. The visual solution becomes the embedded information. That's what the solution is. It's information. That's available at a glance to pull towards me, at me, through me, for me, when and as I need it, embed it, and then eliminate both. When you eliminate the information deficit, you eliminate the motion, you eliminate the struggle. And boy, when people can just flow at work, they get happy. And they dream a bigger dream. They want more. And when it comes down to it, they will want the benefits and the effort that lean requires. They'll be with you. The culture will be ready for a massive change because individuals have already gone through their transformation. I've seen this again and again and again. It's one of the glories of workplace visuality. I hope that this discussion has been useful to you. I hope that it has been um, a kind of a response to maybe a question that's come up during our time together. Visual or lean, which is more important? Bad question. Bad question. Rather, what does each contribute that's special, that's different, that's important? What is their what? I know their why. Their why, their why is to help us reach operational excellence and strong business benefit and a balanced and spirited work culture. I know that. But what is their difference? That's what I'm interested in. This is you speaking, of course. And how? How do they do that? How does each do that? Let me understand the specificity of the tools that belong in each of these toolboxes, or if you will, in each of these buckets. Smart placement for visuality. Borders and addresses, visual scheduling, metrics, wonderful visual metrics that drive visual leadership, visual controls of material, visual standards, so everybody knows the spec and it is accurate, timely, complete, up to date. The visual aspect of information sharing. What are these tools, these principles and practices? Let me learn them distinctively. This is a body of knowledge. It's a curriculum. In our curriculum, we have nine distinct methodologies, not one that's called visual solutions or visual devices, but the thinking for creating them based on your functional level, what you're contributing to the organization. This is the glory of it. (laughs) All work, all work is the translation of information into exact behavior, the behavior of people, behavior of machines, the behavior of the OEM and its supply chain, and other such pairings. Workplace visuality is the very ground in which the stream of value we call work exists. 
the conversion of material or thought into greater value, into some product or service that customers are willing to pay for. That requires two ingredients. One of them is information, specs, work instruction, and the other is physicality, a physical locale. Even when the work is computer-based, the implements of that work are physical. The required marriage of information and physicality is what makes the visual workplace a required operational principle. Lean with its standard work as a prime organizer does a remarkable job in identifying and shrinking flow distance and flow time, the value stream. But if that information is not physically embedded in that stream, the stream of value will unravel. Rolls-Royce learned that. Without the logic and practice of visuality, in fact, the stream of value can only be partly found. The purpose of visuality is to embed the gross and the minute details of your operational system into the living landscape of work because those details are the work. Hmm? Made visual, that information becomes an active partner in realizing the work. Isn't that marvelous? Hidden in plain sight, visuality, visual information sharing, is the platform on which lean happens. Okay, that's why I say that visuality is not just a principle of lean thinking. Don't think that. But it is an equal and powerful partner on the journey to operational excellence. The active partnership between visual and lean is the only way the distance can be achieved and sustained. I've had, as usual, a wonderful time talking with you today. I love sharing what I've learned. I would love to hear from you. It's fine. You can bite back or, you know, give me your comments, your stories. Give me whatever you like. This is our show. Okay? In fact. (laughs) In fact. And... This is my show, our show for the day. I want to thank you very much for joining me. I want to thank you very much for listening. If you have a comment, story, question, reach me at radio at visualworkplace.com or go to visualworkplace.com and you'll find places to be in touch. This is Gwendolyn Gowsworth, and I say, let the workplace speak. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak.